You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis and I'm here with Sam Peterson, Sarah Tinsley, and Lauren Carr. Lauren Carr, we, uh, we all uh, like you a lot and appreciate what you do. We go out and work with you. You work at the Needle Exchange at Graves County Health Department. Um, you know, I really look up, for, up to you. That's one thing. I, I know there's a lot of stigma around the Needle Exchange, but people don't think about the people that are there are trying to help. I know that people come in there, and they come in just to see you because you care. You show them the, how much that – I mean, that's an important part of this, and that, that's not talked about enough. Like, um, And I really – it's been a pleasure getting to know you and work with you and try to help people. Um, what got you involved in doing that? This is why I wanted the questions ahead of time so you don't make me cry on the podcast (laughs) or give me a bigger head than I already have, but no, um, thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed the partnership with Turning Point and getting to know you guys as well. Um, I started in substance abuse prevention about seven years ago, and um, I got into that field because I grew up in a broken home filled with addiction and childhood trauma, and um, I watched my brother go down the same path, and I kind of didn't understand why. Um, I kind of just had my head in the sand and thought, well, his problem was his problem and not mine, Um, and he had frequent um, encounters with the law, um, in and out of jail, unable to hold a job, you know, so forth and so on. And so I did everything wrong. When I say that I did everything wrong, I dodged his calls. I referred to my brother as an addict. And um, I just believed in the myths and misconceptions. And um, unfortunately, it wasn't until um, he passed away of a fentanyl overdose that I really opened my eyes and wanted to learn not only everything I could learn about addiction, but also to try to prevent it um, from another family going through what we did. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome that that happened, but that it, you know, you can turn a negative into a positive in some way and be able to help others, uh, and that you took it that way instead of going the opposite way with it, you know, and causing you to, you know, act actively or get down about things. Um, Sam, you enjoy working with Lauren, going out there. You've had some... Uh, Gotten some people in treatment out there. I love the exchange. That's how I, I mean, I absolutely love I the exchange. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't get to go as much as I used to with my new position at Turning Point. You know, Jack, I have to share with you too. And it's something <laughs> that I don't really want to share all the time. Now we have to share too. I know. It's, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's what happens. But what I love about the exchange is <clears throat> being that I was an IV user myself, mm-hmm. uh, I know that. When I was using, I was going, I was going to find a needle. Mm-hmm. I was period, point blank, simple. Whether it was used, did not matter. Not when I was in in the act of addiction, yep. Yep. and uh, giving people safe, clean stuff to use. You know, because I've I've went through the Hep C treatment. I know what all that's like. You know, and it could have 
I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, mm-hmm. today. But uh, if that had been a place when I was when I was actively using, you could have avoided that altogether, and probably saved the taxpayers about sixty five or seventy thousand dollars right. because that's how much the Hep C treatment cost. And, Eighty four thousand yeah. for just the medicine alone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean that's big money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you, and it's safer. It keeps them keeps them out of out of the street. Mm-hmm. It keeps them out of trash cans. Uh garbage men aren't getting poked picking up garbage. You know, and mm-hmm. and on top of that, you also can get Narcan there. Yeah. And yeah. That is it. so Others. important. Mm-hmm. Plus I get to be around people that are in active addiction, it reminds me exactly where I came from and don't want to go, go back, back to. to. And I see that pain on people's faces, and then occasionally I get to help one of uh, one person that was that's like me. Now, that, that fills up the old spiritual bank right there. Absolutely. You know, and it's a blessing to get to go out there. And I love Lauren because, you know, she is definitely <laughs> oh, a <shucks>. supporter <laughs> of, of people in addiction and our struggles. Mm-hmm. She always wants to understand more. About how we think she'll pick she'll pick my brain and stuff like that, and uh, it's just been a really good relationship, and um, we definitely need more harm reduction. And it's it, there's 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 more of it in Kentucky than there ever, probably has ever been, but uh, we still need more. Absolutely, we have a huge way to come. Um, and I, you know, I were I've said that I worked in substance uh, use for the past seven years, but I came in. Prevention, And so when harm reduction was approached to me, I was just like, I can't do that. Like, one, my brother was an IV drug user. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I, I was under the mindset of that it was enabling addiction. Mm-hmm. And it was, I went through the training, the harm reduction training, and all of that things. And I still kind of had the back of my mindset of what I thought the exchange would be like. Who I thought would walk through those doors and what it would be. And it was day one that my eyes completely opened, and I knew that I was there for a reason. And um, we've been open for over three years now, like, I think, three years in April. And, um, you know, those moments that you you have and that you know that you are there for a reason, you know, during the exchange, I have um, met individuals that have used with my brother. I've helped wow. them get sober. I have um, seen individuals that come from all struggles of life, and it really, really, really opened my eyes. And so one of my biggest uh, things that I want to do is advocate on harm reduction and that um, share the myths and the truths about it because at the end of the day, um, somebody in active addiction is going to use regardless, right. and we're not enabling. We're just meeting them where they are, but we're not going to leave them there. I've noticed mm-hmm. when, I've, when I started working there that many times somebody would say, you're all, I feel like you're all the only people that care about me, mm-hmm. which is what's great about, about the exchange over there in Mayfield is they have the little food bank out front, mm-hmm. get hygiene, hygiene all that food, clothes, and, and uh, to see a person that you know is is in a tough spot, get that little bit of a smile. Mm-hmm. Tell you, you know, thank. They're not getting much, but they're still like, thank you so much. This is more than anybody has ever done for me. It breaks my heart and makes me happy all at the same time. But uh, it's just nice to see people. And I, you know, I love that. Just shows how much the program works and is work. I've 
I personally have seen three people come in that either used to come get syringes or there was one girl that just came in. I don't even think she was, you know, that just came for food and to talk to her and to, you know, let her know how they were doing. And I think they got some clothes or some, uh, y'all had diapers and stuff at one point. But, I mean, that's what they were there for, just that and the conversation and to say, hey, I'm doing good, you know, that's... That's a pretty big deal, Lauren. That's, that shows a lot, you know. Well, it's, it's not only me, but it is, um, it is a huge part of the exchange is making those connections because what we are trying to do, um, most people in active addiction, they have burned the bridges um, with the ones closest to them. Yeah. It's just uh, part of, it's the nature of the beast. And so we come in there with an unjudgment, unbiased opinion where an individual can actually openly talk about their drug use and their struggles and things like that. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really noticed is that, you know, there's a lot of trauma. There's just a lot of underlying trauma with individuals that are using. And I've never met somebody that wants to continue to use. Um, and so when we, um, we always talk about recovery, we always talk that we are a lifeline and a safe spot for them to land. And, um, whenever they make that decision, um, we are there, but we're also harm reduction. So we're going to make them stay safe until they get there. Sure. Yeah. It's about making people feel comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. until they're ready, uh, and showing them that there's people that actually care, you know, that's such an important part. We'll be right back. Every day, an average of 130 people die from an opioid overdose. Opioid overdose is the leading cause of death among adults 15 younger in the United States. Naloxbox helps save the lives of overdose victims, and there are now over 600 units installed nationwide, but we can do better. Each unit increases access to naloxone, it reduces the stigma that's often associated with opioid overdose, and it works to save lives one box at a time. We hate that there are so many places in this country that need naloxbox units, but the truth of the matter is there are still so many more that need them. Although rescue should not be the only strategy used to address this epidemic, it remains a very important one. You have the chance to improve victim outcomes and the chance to reduce overdose deaths. Whether you're in the private or public sector, you can make a statement that you care. You can install in a lockbox, and you can help us save lives. I know you guys also do testing for uh, HIV and Hep C testing. So the goal of the exchange, it comes from a public health aspect. Absolutely. Um, you know, two infectious diseases that are spread by injectable drug use is um, HIV and hepatitis C. Even though um, we have came a long way in both of those treatments and things like that, HIV is uncurable. Um, it is treatable, but it is uncurable. Um, and it's also very costly. Just like we said before, the average cost to treat somebody over their lifetime with HIV is about $600,000. The cost to, for the medicine alone is $84,000. The cost of a clean syringe is $0.08. Cents. So wow. um, coming from a, a money standpoint, it just makes sense. It's logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we do offer um, free testing for HIV and hepatitis C. 
Um, we also do um, referrals to care. So if any of those tests come back positive, we're not just going to give them that information and um, turn them loose. Like we are going to do the warm handoff to where um, they can get treatment and um, make that decision and get their health and their priority. Because um, I tell individuals, you know, you're doing a good thing coming in here because you're being safe about it. You know, you're, you're um, trying to use new equipment you're you're cleaning the area they're getting narcan they're getting fentanyl testing strips um, and then they also get education about how it's spread so one of the biggest myths about um, hep c um, is that you can give it to yourself i had heard that my whole <laughs> life i mean i've been in arguments with people i had always heard that you I, know I, I was at a rehab the other day and i was doing my education and i was going over the myths about hep c and i was like you you know you can't give yourself an active infection so you can't give it to yourself and one of the uh and uh individuals in there was like yes you can yes you can my doctor told me you can and i was just like people will argue that they (laughs) They will argue that (laughs) but what most people don't realize is that hep c can live on a surface a cooker Mm -hmm. a tourniquet for up to 90 days and that's why it is the exchange is so important coming from a community health standpoint too um, because those syringes that are being found in parks or um, the sidewalks and things like that, you don't, if somebody gets an accidental needle stick, or even our law enforcement who does searches, um, if they get an active, accidental needle stick, they don't know if it, the syringe has hep C or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I didn't, even when I started working at the exchange, I didn't realize that sharing cottons waters cookers all that, all no. that stuff is Mm-mm. is just a, with hepatitis c is exactly the same as pretty much using a needle beside behind someone yeah I mean, it's very dangerous when i look at the people that come in there and see you know the other not just syringes but the other stuff that they offer you know the wound care the uh, cold packs for absent like it just i, I could have if that would have been a thing that wasn't a thing when i was using you know when i think about how much safer cleaner everything it could have you know that it can be for these people that it could have been for me it just it's a whole different world you know not i mean hep c and hiv obviously but i mean infection staff i don't know what the medical term for cotton fever is but (laughs) that you know all that stuff i mean proper wound care it's just it's just a much much safer way to do and endocarditis yes yes um and these are all um, illnesses that go along with um, injectable use, um, but they also um, end up in the ER and the hospitals and things like that. So when people are safer about it, it really helps the overall health of the community um, because we don't want anybody to lose a limb in active addiction, you know? And it can happen. And it, we, I've seen it happen. Yeah. We, we have consumers, you know, that have horrible scars and, and wounds and things that, you know, that'll be there forever. You know, it, it, it didn't have to be that way. Um, so, yeah. It's. I know for me, it's when I, when I was working the, at the exchange on a regular basis, watching people first come in, they're scared to death. They don't mm-hmm. know what to, what to expect. And then slowly you just build this relationship with the, with the people that's coming in and it's a, then it's a hey, how you doing? And everybody's happy to see you, and, and it's it's just a very warm, friendly environment. And I think that's so important for people that are, at, especially at that stage of their addiction. You know, right. um, 
you're not, you know, people early in recover or early in addiction aren't really going in the exchange. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the guys and girls who've been right. beat up a little bit. And, um, just for for people to have a safe place that know that people do care about them, I think is one of the, is is so important. And um, you know, kind of go on from that. One of one of my clients has that explained to me that you know when they are out in public they're stigmatized it doesn't matter if they walk into Walgreens or go or walking down the street you know they are looked and stigmatized because of how they look like and um they said that coming to the exchange and they said that the friends of the individuals that they used with they they talked about that the only time that somebody would ask them how their day was or even smile at them prior to mask before COVID mm-hmm. um, was at the exchange, like the one day a week. And so that was, you know, like, you know, you get the little feelings and stuff like that. And then I'm a storyteller. So, um, uh, we get individuals' birthdays. So it doesn't have to be their correct birthday, yada, yada, yada. But anyways, I had a client come in. They gave me their, their ID number. And I looked, and it was the same date that... Um, it was. And so I look over to my coworker and we start singing happy birthday. And uh, this uh, 32-year-old man starts crying. And Mm -hmm. he said, "Um, nobody sang me happy birthday since my mom died. And I was just like, you know, so we don't, we don't know. Like, we're not, we're not here to judge. And I think that Mm -hmm. it's, you know, something that not only that we take in the exchange, but we can take it outside, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what people have been through. We don't know, you know, individuals are so much more than what their mugshot is, you know. Um, and so just having that open mindset and giving them a safe space, I think that that is one of the biggest um, successes and, and good things about our program. We'll be right back. Did you know that recovery from substance use disorder and mental health go hand in hand? That is why the caring and compassionate mental health professionals at Four Rivers Behavioral Health in Paducah are here to help you find your balance. They are proud of you for making the changes necessary to live a healthier life and would love to see you reach your full potential. Give them a call at 270-442-7121 or stop by the downtown location at 425 Broadway in Paducah, Kentucky. Hey y'all, did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we are open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah. The more people we have advocating for people in recovery, the better. Even even people are still actively using substances, and Lauren gets to do that at her. You're also a city council member in Mayfield. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So you you get to advocate for us everywhere then. Yes. Awesome. And, and that was one of the reasons that I decided to run and get involved just just to make people aware of the situation. And I think that you know when we first started the exchange. I was like, well, we don't, 
we don't have heroin use like northern Kentucky. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, we're not we're not going to be yeah. busy. It's, it's Mayfield, <laughs> Kentucky. Um, last year um, in 2020, uh, we had over a thousand transactions, and we saw 247 because I have a Rain Man memory. 247 <laughs> unique individuals. Um, so. I learned that not a, that you can inject meth. That was you didn't you didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, I have to ask questions. Right, right. You're learning too. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, you certainly can. Certainly can. Um, and uh, I I didn't learn that it was so prevalent in our community. But I also know that there are so many people that we are not reaching. Um, so providing that information, advocating about the exchange, and letting people know that it's a safe space um, and it's not its not being watched by the cops or right. it's not a setup or anything yeah. like that. Well, education is the stigma kill, killer. You know, um, I know these a lot of communities, especially in, these, in the rural parts of Kentucky, for a long time, they would say, we don't have a drug problem. Right. Because yeah, right. Yeah, it was just like your parents. My parents trying to hide it from from the world, too. Oh, God, you know, we can't, we can't let anybody know. People will think less of us. And that's not going to fix any any problems that we have in the world. It's the only no. way we're going to, to address this thing is by sand. being more out in the open. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, ignoring things never got anything solved, no. you know. And that's why, like, I know we've started to try and do some more outreach around here and reach out, let people know about it. You know, I wish we had something like that down here in McCracken County. Oh, McCracken um, needs it so, so bad. bad. Yeah. So bad, yeah. Um, you know, and there's people who are trying to make that happen. But, you know, getting the word out there, that, that I mean, Mayfield's only 20 minutes away, you mm-hmm. know. You can come from anywhere and, and take advantage of it, you know. Yeah. I, I think... I think an exchange is needed in Kentucky and every health department or somewhere close that that, that is possible. Um, the more more you can keep, I mean, because HIV, Hep C, these these are preventable diseases. Yeah, they're preventable, and this is a method to prevent that from happening. And it's just so important. And it's also harm reduction too. Um, <clears throat> Most, you know, giving, putting Narcan in individuals' hands and educating about it. Um, Not only does, do a lot of overdoses happen when somebody might use get fentanyl and they're not, they don't know that they're getting fentanyl or um, even if they just um, got out of jail or they've had a um, stand in sobriety and they had a bad day and they used again. Um... So having Narcan accessible to everybody and anybody and, you know, I would love for everybody to carry it around because you never know, you never know what you're going to, and it literally can save a life. And giving that individual a second chance is, is huge. We all, we all need second chances, third, fourth, fifth, however many it takes. We installed in the box box just the other day and it was they called us wanting one instead awesome. of us having yeah. to go out and, you know, she, we do outreach, so, but uh, she called us. Well, I stopped in on accident. There are two two stores, and I, I thought that this one had already had a locks box, and I went in and was kind of looking for it, and she was like, no, that's our other store, 
but we need, will you please bring one? Like, we need it, you know? Um, and, I mean, they were, they were happy for us to show up and do it. They had questions. We got to teach them how to use it, you know, how to spot the signs of an overdose, what to do. I mean, and they were just... They were really eager to learn. It was kind of surprising. You know, I mean, it was great, but it, it was almost surprising. But they, um, yeah. Well, there's, I think everybody should carry Narcan. Mm-hmm. And I think legislation needs to catch up into Kentucky for the fact that uh, fentanyl test strips are still technically considered drug paraphernalia in this state. Just blows really? my mind. I but didn't it is. Know that. Yeah. It's still on the books. They need to. They're working on it, I think. But We're, We've came a long way. Um, it's, you know, anytime you deal with legislation in government, you're going to have to play catch-up. Um, just like when le- the synthetic drugs were out, you know, you would ban one thing and they would change the chemical and do another. Mm-hmm. So um, you're always playing catch-up. But one of the things I think, you know, we do have some people that are proactive. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Kentucky was proactive enough to offer exchange programs you know you do have to get a lot of approval to do that um but and i know that it's hard for some community communities to navigate through that but that's just providing that education and when you provide that education it's it's simply a no-brainer even if you don't have the compassion for it it's it saves taxpayer money in the long run, and that's common sense for real. It's a, it's a win-win for the community. So I hope hope we start seeing more and more exchanges in in all areas of Kentucky. And we have so many. Well, one the program's anonymous, so unless they tell me their name or we coordinate the treatment or anything like that, we don't really know the individuals coming in and. Before I tell my success story, I guess I want to say that um, the different individuals that walked in the, the doors of the exchange, they were not my perception of what no. an IV drug user looked like. I mean, we utilize a different entrance at the health department for an enemy and, um, set, you know, just reasons like that. And I've had people that walked in, I was like, are you here for the exchange? You know, or, you know, and um, not meaning that, but it was just kind of eye opening. Mm-hmm. And so, not really judging people. And then I'll go into my success story. So, we have multiple success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorites um, was I had an individual um, January of 2020. She um, had came in, started coming into the exchange. Um, was living out of her car and in a, in a trailer that had no power. And uh, she had gotten um, a, a spider bite, so that was her nickname, because, you know, you don't know individuals' mm-hmm. names. And so I watched her over the next couple of months come in and out, um, frequent encounters in the law, different things. Um, she had lost custody of her kids and um, didn't have a really good relationship with her with her family at that point. Um, October of that year, I took her to treatment, and I just had that that recovery high. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like it was one of our first ones that we orchestrated, dropped off, hugged, you know, like it's... And the two days later, I get a call that um, she walked out. And so um, she walked back into the exchange. I did not guilt her, like, why didn't it work? You know, what happened? You're... You know, I didn't do anything except um, 
welcome welcome her back um welcome her back and and yeah. give her what she needed um she eventually went on to another treatment center completed and within the last year so she's got about 15 or 16 months of sobriety awesome. but within this last year she has gotten a car she's gotten her own place she's gotten custody of her kids back mm-hmm. and um it really warmed my heart because I saw that she took her kids to the beach for one of the the breaks <laughs> spring break fall break one of the two and so um you know and she works and has had a promotion and things like that and so there are true successes oh absolutely and that's just are. one of the many that um has came out of the exchange i mean if if that's not if just one person to me is worth it so yeah, yeah. but there's many more but the more we can help our fellow man and woman and even child in this situation because when a when an addict gets sober a whole family whole, gets better. Yeah. Yeah. A whole family gets better. And that's and she, a beautiful thing. And she's been one of my biggest cheerleaders too because she, you know, has kept me informed with her recovery and things like that. And one of the things she mentioned is she said, You don't know how many people you affected by just helping me. Like mm-hmm. she has relationships with her parents and her siblings and you know it's just I mean that brought a family back together it, you know that was a family that was broken and I mean there could still be other broken but but in that aspect I mean that part of a family was rejoined you know um you and gave then somebody their kid back <laughs> another another little giddy success story mm-hmm. I had and when she and um when she got her car she came to show us at the exchange <laughs> oh, that you know <laughs> Um, but we had a call the other day, and an individual just got their keys to their apartment. Nice. Wow. And they wanted, they had been living in sober living. We orchestrated their treatment, and uh, the first people that they called were the exchange and talked awesome. to one of my coworkers and just said, thank you. And uh, she said you could tell that the apartment was empty, that he just got the keys because you could hear the echo, but you could also hear the gratefulness in his voice and just um it's we're we're saving lives harm reduction harm, yeah. re, harm reduction harm saves. reduction <laughs> so yeah i know I, that, I definitely have to have one of those shirts Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. New merch. i know that when you're out there you feel so hopeless and like your life's over you you don't even care anymore you don't think you can ever have that stuff back and that's one of the things i love about what we do here and what mm-hmm. y'all do and like we're the three of us over here are, are success stories like just seeing every day that once you remove those drugs from your life and start to try just doing the right the next right thing life does get better and you start mm-hmm. to get the, your things back you start to put your life back together uh, it's not impossible it's never you're ne- it's never too late to do never it never too late i think one of the important things in one of the things that Kentucky does do well, and that is Narcan distribution. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, at least in, I've not been out of eastern Kentucky much, but I'm sure it's probably the same. But in, in Paducah alone, you can go to the health department here. You can come here to Turning Point in Mayfield. I know that you all do it there at the health department and at the exchange. If you don't have Narcan, please go to somewhere and get some if, you, if you're if you using. And if you know, just I think everybody should. Or just if I, everybody you know, should have just it. Just get some in. Yeah. What if? I mean, a stranger could be overdosed. It could be at the park. Anything. You we'll know. We'll give you a box and a sticker here. At yeah. Point yeah. That says, uh, 
I carry Narcan, so mm-hmm. everybody knows. Didn't I think this happened? Didn't you have a client that overdosed and was saved by Narcan that you had given? Um, not my, not no. myself. Not I did not administer the Narcan. Okay, but I was through, thinking that through the exchange um, when we give out the Narcan, we ask. Um, was it used? Was it safe? You know, and there has been many clients that the that the Narcan that we have given them um, has saved their life. Right. And one of the other things too is educating about the Good Samaritan Law, letting them know that they yeah. can call nine one one, but a majority of the time they don't. And so instead of just dropping their friend off in front of the emergency room and driving off, which has happened, you know, which happens. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, you have that Narcan, so at least, and then we educate them of things to watch for and things like that in case they do not feel comfortable calling law enforcement or emergency services. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is important to know. Um, another thing you do great around here is you've given us plants. <laughs> we do, Lauren. I we got literally fake plants, and you I, brought us some real ones. I uh, almost took a picture of my three outside the other day and sent them to you, but then I was like, that might be weird. No, I don't know. But I they love are plants. It has gotten like my my wandering dude mm-hmm. has gotten so big and looks so good. I literally was like, I need to send her a picture. But yeah, our plants are thriving. <laughs> good. Yeah, we're good. killing it with the plants. Yeah, no, we don't keep them down here in the in the uh, lower level. No, I, I, they wouldn't make it long. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But well, we appreciate all that you do. We Lauren, do. We love and, you, Lauren. And we love you're, you. You're and, wonderful. Uh, we thank you, and we thank you for coming on the podcast yes. and trying to get the information out there. And we look forward to continue to working together. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Matt, Sarah, and Sam. Thank you. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance. Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.